forever. Dog. I used to think that this was my town. What a stupid thing to think. I hear you biting off a brain down. I myself am on the brain. I used to want to be a real man. I don't know what that even means. Now I just want you in my arms again. And we can search each other's dreams. What's up, everybody? This is Rhea Butcher. This is Three Swings. Podcast about baseball and other things. Thank you for being here. Um, last episode of the show was recorded at a different time. <laughs> um, I keep thinking about that and, um, major shout out to Anika for being on the show. It was really great to talk to her and, and get her book. If you haven't ordered that book, the incredible women of the all American girls professional baseball league, please get on that, especially right now. It's great to support folks as much as possible in these times. Um, that was only two weeks ago that that episode came out. And even then it was still like it was on the horizon. I was promoting my shows. I left, I believe the next day after we recorded and, uh, flew to Kansas city on, uh, Thursday, March 12th to do a show that night in Kansas city. Um, I thought I had a couple thoughts that night And then that morning when I left of like, you don't have to go and you shouldn't go if you don't think you should go. But I didn't listen to those small, quiet voices. I mean, I did listen to them and then I I argued myself out of it um, for a couple of reasons. One, in my past, I had canceled. There have been a couple shows that I have canceled on in not super professional fashion or even in just like a way that made sense because I used to deal with like tremendous anxiety and depression and uh, panic attacks and uh, lack of perceived control. I used to have a very different relationship with uh, my work and those things. And uh, I didn't I just would have this feeling that something was wrong. I shouldn't go. I shouldn't. It was too much. And and those, those thoughts would take over. And then I would cancel on things. I think almost in a way of trying to gain some sort of power or control back in my life. And those, that sounds very intense, but, um, when you are a person who feels like you have none of those things, gaining some amount of it is like huge, you know? Um, and then I would cancel those things and I would feel okay for like a day or like a couple hours. And then I would swing to the other side of, well, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have canceled. I shouldn't have. And, uh, you know, it was just like a a way that I could not live. So all of that is to say that that was sort of still in my, the back of my mind, um, which I'm happy to say now on a personal note, it's no longer in the back of my mind. Um, and I think that I was sort of fighting doing that again, even though I knew within that little quiet voice, that wasn't what was happening, that I was actually listening to what friends, close trusted friends were saying to me about what was going on, uh, with COVID-19 and, but I didn't, 
I just wasn't there yet. And I'm also, I'm not kicking myself for going. Everything happened the way it was supposed to happen. Um, and we're all doing the best that we can, you know? Um, and so I went, I got in a lift and I got to the airport and I got on a flight and I had talked with my managers and my agent, my manager and my agent about these things. And like, they didn't, they were having briefings every day. And, you know, we're, we were all sort of in the dark in a way because, uh, there was no consistent message in the country. Um, everything I feel like is still a question. Like we've been doing this since 2015 and, and before that, but I just feel like mainstream media. And when I say that, what I mean is NBC, ABC, CBS. And then when you get into the cable news channels, maybe not so much those broadcast networks, but like definitely those cable news networks that just need to come up with content for 24 hours a day. They just ask questions in their new, like they don't present, they don't present what's going on. They question whether it is going on. And so I have spent a lot of time not participating in the micro news of the internet. And that also is why I was unsure of what to do. And so, you know, we just had a conversation and they were like, you know, it's up to you. And that was like probably the worst thing they could say because I still, I still am suffering from feeling as though I need someone to tell me what to do. And I, I do know that that is not a real thing. Um, but sometimes it creeps back in and this was one of those times. And so to like make the story a little shorter, I, got on the plane, everybody was wiping everything down, which was good to see. People were freaked out. I was wiping everything down. There was a family, like a couple, and their mother, um, one of their mothers, uh, they were really diligently cleaning everything. And this woman, we sort of were talking to each other, like how you do as strangers on a plane, and she was cleaning everything, and then she cleaned the vent that was over the seats on the plane, and she, like, just showed it to me, like, look at this, and I was like, yep, because it was a f it was filthy, like, dirty, you could see it, you know, and her husband was sitting behind her, and he goes, oh, well, that's not virus, that's just dirt, and I was just like, we are so screwed, <laughs> because so many people, and that's like, this is probably a smart person, that's saying that. And, um, was he joking? I don't know. <laughs> Either way, not great to be like, eh, we're so dismissive. Uh, American exceptionalism creates such dismissiveness and such surety that everything's okay in a way that isn't grounded in any sort of like love or compassion or kindness or forethought for other people. It's more just like, well, I'm okay. So who cares? And, um, I'm really working on that in myself too. So, we fly. I was doing the artist way reading deprivation too, which was keeping me from reading the, you know, like all this stuff was just like, it's so funny. You know, what all of this has taught me is balance, you know, like balance and rhythm. Um, and so I land, I get a text message from my agent that says like, okay, state of emergency has been declared in Kansas city. Um, which means no gatherings of over a thousand people. So you're good to go. And I was just like, this doesn't feel right. I don't care what the number is. Viruses don't like take a head count. If it's in there, it's in there and it's going to get on everybody and you can wipe down tables and you can spread people apart. 
you gather a bunch of people into a room and then two of them need to go use the bathroom at the same time, it's done. And also one person sneezes on another person. It's done. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It, the, the numbers don't matter. I see people, you know, who are well aware of what's going on and yet they're in their sixties and they're, they're like children in their twenties are still coming over to eat dinner with them leaving and going, doing God knows what, and then coming. It, it's so everybody is doing the best that they can, you know? And so in that moment, I got off the airplane in Kansas city and I, I went to the bathroom. If you've ever been to the Kansas city airport, you know that it is very small and I could have easily walked through the gate and been outside and had to go back through security. And I wouldn't have been able to, because I wouldn't have had a ticket. So somehow by a, an absolute miracle, I just sat down, talked to somebody about what should I do. They suggested that I write out the cancellation text and write out the, the show is still going on text. And I share this with you because writing out the cancellation text that I would post on a Instagram or Twitter, uh, came flowing out of me. It was like, I wasn't even writing it. But then when I tried to write the, hey guys, uh, no, this is happening. We're going to have the, I, I almost couldn't do it. And, and it was like, I was not judging myself, but I could feel how wrong it felt to say it. And this was just for me. Um, and so that made my decision very easy. I told my, the people that needed to know that's what was going on. I went to the bathroom, which was in the gate. I walked back up to the gate, which was now boarding a flight back to Los Angeles. One of the two flights a day in Kansas City that's nonstop back to LA. And I said, can you get me on this flight? And the guy was like, this flight? And I was like, this flight. And he tried to get me on a flight that was boarding and taking off in 28 minutes. And I am so grateful for the last year of my life because I stood there with uh, peace and calmness and kindness in a way that I, I just couldn't have ever imagined that I could do. And uh, he couldn't do it. And he was like, I'm sorry, I'm blocked. And they, he was so kind. And then the other gate agent goes like, what are you trying to do? Oh, let me give it a shot. And she got me on the flight. <laughs> she got me on the flight and it was $400, which to me is a lot of money. But when you look at the situation, it was zero, you know? Um, I am so grateful that I didn't go, oh, that's a lot of money. I don't know. And just like tough it out. Cause there's a part of me that felt like I wanted to do that too. But I was like, no, 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 no. You're not driving anymore. You can go sit in the back seat and you can, I'm not kicking you out, but you're not driving anymore. So I bought the ticket and then the flight attendants were a little weirded out because they just saw me and they only recognized me because I was wearing a Mountain Dew hat. And I feel like that is something that really sticks out. Um, and they just remembered me cause I was just at literally a half an hour ago on their plane and I flew back home. You know, I, I texted, I d did all the things I needed to do. I tried to watch ad Astra and that was like too stressful because <laughs> I just was like, Oh, I see where this is going. I'll watch this another time. Um, and then I came home and you know, I, I just like, I saw my friends that were telling me the things that they had heard and knew, first of all, those close friends have been correct about everything that they told me. They were like, prepare for Los Angeles to shut down as a city for a couple days. And they were right. 
it took about a week for that to come true, but they were right. Um, and you know, I just like a major shout out to my friends, Adam Conover and Josh Gondelman, who both canceled their shows, um, that same weekend and posted about it and explained why. And I'm grateful that they did that because I got to see, they, they showed me what I should also be doing. So I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for anybody else that had to make the very difficult. It was not an easy decision. When I say I wrote out the text, it was not that was that came out of me because I had already made the the difficult decision to say no. And then when I posted about it, a lot of people said thank you for doing this because I was really going back and forth as to whether I should come or not. And so what I realized was it it's not about me. I mean, I I know this, but also we got to be reminded this whole thing isn't about you. It's about us. And what can I do for the, the, the best of us? What can I do to help us? I mean, that's what I want to, to do stand up comedy to do anyway. Why I wanted to be performing it that weekend. Cause I wanted to bring some happiness and joy to people. Um, but right now that type of happiness and joy comes at a cost. And so we all have to do our part regardless of what we're being told by people who have interests other than ours in mind. And like, yes, I lost some money. People sent me Venmo money. I didn't even ask for that. And they so kindly sent me that. The gratitude that I have for that gesture is like, it's huge. And like, I urge you to, if you have, if there are comedians that you follow from listening to put your hands together for six and a half years, if there are comedians that you never got a chance to see because they didn't get a chance to tour. Um, and that's not to say that they won't ever again. I just mean up until now, if there are comedians that you appreciate on Twitter, try to find them on Venmo and send them some money because you don't have to save them and you don't have to pay their rent. But I will tell you that sending somebody 10 bucks, there is no too small amount and just say, Hey, I think you're rad. Thank you for the comedy. Here's 10 bucks. Like it, I guarantee you it will make somebody's day and you will feel good about doing it because it really made my day that people sent me like the cost of the ticket, um, which was very, 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 very kind of them to do. So that was at this point, two weeks ago, that was, yeah, two weeks ago to the day, because I'm recording this on March 26th, which is, um, opening day for, uh, men's baseball and which we all know is not happening. And I'll get into that after, after the, the intro up top. I also just want to say that because we are getting into the time frame of the regular season, um, the plan for three swings was to get into a weekly format again. However, there is no real baseball, like weekly news, fantasy, nothing to run down. But I am still going to change this podcast to a weekly format. And that is because I think there are other things we can be talking about right now that might be just as or more important than baseball and how much we love it. Um, I really think that we can talk about our love of this thing and also spread awareness and kindness and love and compassion through this podcast. So in the next couple weeks, I'm going to be recording and putting it out. I appreciate your kindness and understanding and sort of changing it to um, a wider reach. I mean, it's kind of already been that way. I've been talking about life things for a while. 
I hope I don't lose any of you, but like, honestly, if you're <laughs> going to go away, cause I'm not talking straight baseball every week, I'm unsure why you were here hanging on anyway, <laughs> but, um, uh, we will see. I hope to get some guests on here, video conference, all these things are popping up and it's, um, a lot easier. Um, the past couple of weeks have been difficult. I'm not going to lie. I have been having a good time in my life, but it, that doesn't mean that it's not difficult. Um, I, I, I would say that, uh, number one, I'm, I'm grateful that I've had the opportunity to work a couple jobs that have created stability for me at this time. Um, and today I have enough. And sometimes that is the thing that gets me through the whole day is writing on that gratitude list. I have enough for today. Um, and it is a great reminder right now and that I owe it to myself and the people in my life to, to put some good into the world and, um, experience some gratitude, take care of my dog who's <laughs> in the background, all of those things. Um, and stay at home, stay at home and not because it, this, I'm, I'm not going to, um, sugarcoat this. It's going to be grim. This is going, this is going to be grim and we are in for a long haul. We really, we really are. Um, it's going to take all of us and it's going to take as many of us as we can possibly muster. And that means treating people with kindness and understanding. It means trying not to feel better than other people and really trying to do your part and, uh, spread awareness about, um, what's going on. And the fact that, uh, we don't actually have someone at the top who has human interest at the, at the top of the list. It's, it's financial interest. Number one. Um, and that is, uh, not great for human beings <laughs> and it hasn't been great. Uh, for human beings. And so I, I I don't have specifics other than like the only thing you can do is, is stay kind to yourself, be gentle to yourself and be gentle to others. Cause, uh, getting up on our high horses and, uh, I mean, if that's what you got to do to get through, if that's what you got to do to get through and do the right thing, fine, literally fine. Okay. Um, but preferably we try to remember that we we are all in this together. And, uh, this will affect people with less than more. It will affect people who are immunocompromised more. It will affect the elderly. It will affect the poor. It will affect the, the quote, least of us more than the wealthiest of us. However, the virus <laughs> doesn't discriminate who it gets into. I'm going to take care of my dog real quick. Oh, the joys of recording at home. I'm going to leave all of that in there because I feel like it's accurate to the times. Um, I, I, I don't say that to, because it's it's like, you know, I, who who can say the right thing at any right time? You know, I, I, I certainly can't, but I'm trying. And it, I mean, if you are in a place to donate money to places, I think it's 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 helpful right now. Um, food banks, uh, local. Local donate donation-based outreach. I'm not sure, you know, I just don't know. Um, I hope in the coming weeks we can collect those kinds of things and share them with you. I do know that the governors and mayors of this country are for the most part doing a lot of the right things, especially in the bigger cities. So maybe look to them for guidance on what you should and shouldn't be doing right now. 
I do really think that, um, you know, people have been talking about washing your hands, but you really do have to sanitize your surfaces because, uh, the comedian Marcella Aguelo, who's been very funny on Twitter f- forever, but also recently was saying what's great about se- self-isolation is your 15 days starts when the last person's 15 days starts. And I think that's something that we're not really conceptualizing and understanding that it doesn't matter that I'm on day 13. Uh, it matters that somebody just started today and then there's still people who aren't. Um, And that's why we are headed towards a pretty grim outlook because it already is bad and it will become overwhelming. Um, And so today I am trying to participate in enjoying opening day, but not forgetting what's actually going on. Um, I know we all need distractions and I know we all need to be able to uh, thrive and take breaks, but I also know that... um, sometimes we distract ourselves to the point of not paying attention to what's actually going on. So it's again, trying to find a balance. Um, I've felt for a couple days, I was just completely out of rhythm and like adrift in a way. Um, cause people are like talking about be, be productive, all this stuff. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And, um, my partner and I have been doing lives every day at just, just about every day at two 30 PM. So check those out come to my Instagram. That's very fun. Um, and then I also am helping her build a storage cabinet in our apartment outside our apartment. We did that. We organized some things and moved stuff around and just like doing all of that really felt good. Like you don't have to write a script. You don't have to paint a portrait of somebody. You, you can do those things, but you can also just like fold your laundry, you know, and feel really accomplished. Um, like she's outside right now, like doing some major uh, yard work because it's making her feel good. Um, not everything has to be like to f- to serve some great end. You know, you can just do a, something small. And like, I w- am grateful that I was on Sarah Spain's podcast that came out today, which is yesterday. I had a great time on there talking about uh, a lot of things, but we got into pronouns and I feel like uh, give it a listen And uh, something that I said in there that uh, was helpful to me, um, I feel like maybe there's people who think, you know, getting people's pronouns right or whatever is not that important now because of all this stuff going on. And like, I understand the impulse to feel that, that like, because I, I will tell myself that, that I'm not important because the pandemic's going on. But as soon as you start thinking that about yourself or about other people, um, then it's a slippery slope to start thinking that like nothing is important and you can get really depressed that way. So it's important for me to keep reminding people gently, kindly with compassion and understanding, um, that that's me. I'm not a she. Um, and, uh, I understand it's difficult. I I have a friend who's goes by a shorter name now or a longer, his full name, Um, he used to go by a shorter name when we were kids. Let's say it was Ben and now he prefers to go by Benjamin and it's hard for me to remember because I'm used to calling him Ben. It just like, it just comes out. And like, I have, you know, affection for my friend and that friend is Ben, but that's not, he does not feel good when he is called that because it reminds him of something else. And so I, 
if he has a hard time with my pronouns, I have a hard time with his name. We're kind of in the same boat. So I just have to remember what's important. And if I stop being important to myself, then I'm not going to be important to any of this. So I just wanted to put that out there on this podcast because I thought it was important and I hadn't really talked about it on here. And, um, you know, life is still happening. Children are being born, like houses are being bought. And a friend of mine just started, uh, hormones and she is like having the best time. And she, but she's also like, I feel like a werewolf in, that's like locked up in an apartment and like these things are still going on. You don't set your entire life aside. Um, completely. You don't set your entire being up on a shelf while all of this is going on. And I say that because I used to do that. I would feel depressed or anxious and I would take my whole spirit and set it on a shelf and it would be just dormant. And, uh, so I'm simply just encouraging and suggesting that you try to practice not setting yourself on a shelf and not putting it aside. The things you can put aside for 10 minutes at a time is what's going on. Now, that might sound like a distraction, but what it actually is is just setting it aside for a little bit so you can be a human being and then bringing it back. Um, so hopefully you guys got something out of this. And speaking of bringing it back, I'm going to uh, sell you some stuff and I hope you check it out because it helps this podcast. Um, and I'll be right back and we'll talk about baseball for a little while. Okay, we're back. Those were great ads. Please check those things out. Um, or thing. I can't remember if it's one or two. Um, so we've got some updates on the MLB season. The source is MLB itself. I It was a wild ride watching spring training and the Yankees saying they would stay on and watching these teams and men sort of fight this idea of what was happening. Um it was sort of a microcosm of America. Like baseball always tends to be like people were like, Oh, you can't shut down baseball. Blah, 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 blah. It was just like wild to watch it happen. And now, you know, minor leaguers are testing positive and, you know, Trevor Bauer had that Sandlot game, which was like a cool thing. But I'm also like, if one of you guys has it now, all of you guys have it. Um, and my own baseball league at the same time, was having discussions about whether or not we would be playing and thank God it rained. So we didn't even have to make that decision. But right now the LA parks and rec is shut down and the Burbank parks and rec is shut down for at least another two weeks. So we at least have that amount of time to get that shit together. But, um, I don't think anybody should be gathering in groups of anything for at least two more months. Um, but I'm not, you know, I don't run this show. Uh, yesterday, which was Wednesday, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred gave an interview with ESPN in which he vowed that the game will be back to help the nation heal from the coronavirus pandemic and provided a rough timeline of May for a return to the field. Manfred said that the league is working with the CDC, the World Health Organization, and a number of infectious disease specialists leaning on those experts for advice on how to navigate a return to the field. Uh... My optimistic outlook is that at some point in May, we'll be gearing back up, Manfred said. We'll have to make a determination depending on what the precise date is as to how much of a preparation period we need. Whether that prep preparation period is going to be done in the club's home cities or back in Florida and Arizona. I think the goal would be to get as many regular season games as possible and, I, and think creatively about how we can accomplish that goal. 
Obviously, our fans love a 162-game season and the postseason format that we have. We're probably not going to be able to do that this year. I think that's clear. It does give us an opportunity to do some different things, to experiment. That part makes gives me pause. And to make sure that we provide as many games as possible and as entertaining a product as possible. Now, I want to pause in reading this uh, wonderful note page from Bench Coach Brett and say that, uh, you know, I love a phrase like the game will be back to help the nation heal from the coronavirus pandemic. However, I do see when we get back to as entertaining a product as possible that we really are talking about money. Um, And that is the unfortunate reality. Like I've been beating that drum this whole time on this podcast. I know that this thing is about money. I understand things have to make money. There are a lot of people who are not making money right now and they won't for a while. And, uh, I am unsure. It's also scary to me just as a baseball fan that this could be a moment where they change how baseball runs and operates from a timeline perspective. Um, However, it appears that MLB will examine all of its options, though Manfred seemed hesitant about the idea of playing seven-inning doubleheaders, a concept floated earlier Wednesday by Blue Jays general manager Ross Atkins. We certainly have talked about the idea of using doubleheaders to maximize the number of games that we play, Manfred said. I think I have said publicly before that there are some numbers in baseball you can't change. Nine innings is one of them. I'm grateful that he at least thinks that is true. When I said that, I wasn't thinking about this particular crisis, so I'm sure it's something that will get some discussion. He immediately, uh, you know, walks that whole thing back. I mean, I just was watching A League of Their Own last night because my partner had never seen it. I know, crazy. Uh, We watched it, and... They talk a lot about doubleheaders in that movie, which is uh, the truth of that actual league. Like, those women played nearly consistent doubleheaders. Like, I would say that they played six days a week and they played five days of doubleheaders just because they traveled so much and there were so few teams. And there were four teams in the original season. Um, And so they traveled a lot and once they got there it was like you got to get two games worth now if you start playing double headers in men's professional baseball in the MLB here's a benefit that I see to that you get to see a lot more players on the field who normally wouldn't get to play um you also maybe see an expanded roster for that same reason because you're talking about more perpetual injury you're just playing more games quicker than we do right now because right or did because we were playing for primetime TV. And once you start playing double headers, you're playing not primetime TV, you're playing almost all day long because you're talking about six to eight hours of baseball. Um, playing games, I also think seven innings probably not going to happen. I think that cuts off, what, a half an hour typically of a game. Um, nine innings is integral, but if they're, if it's the a matter of nine innings, not playing baseball and seven innings playing baseball, they're probably going to go with seven innings. Uh, And playing games in front of empty ballparks could also be an option at some point, though Manfred noted the important role that fans play throughout the majors. Fans are crucial to baseball as we know it, Manfred said, although he didn't really care about the fans of baseball who uh, are pretty upset about the Astros stealing a World Series. So I'll just say that. 
The fan experience is very, very important. It's part of the entertainment. We've seen it once with a game in Baltimore where we played empty. It's a very different experience. Obviously, our preference would be to play with fans. Um, now, obviously, they care a lot about the fan experience. They didn't really care when we couldn't see it because we couldn't afford to pay the cable networks and couldn't pay ticket prices and couldn't pay for this and couldn't pay for that. Now, all of a sudden, they give a shit about us. Um, I also think... What's interesting is you think about these teams playing in empty ballparks and I go back to the spread of the virus that's you're talking about uh 40 two 40 man rosters plus you've got you know uh people working in the ballpark it, not concessions not the people who make the least amount of money they won't go back to work but the other people will you're talking about what let's say conservatively 200 people for a baseball game with no fans um that's 200 people. That's a, We're talking right now about limiting gatherings in your home to six people and also limiting contact with people, period. That's 200 people. But then you get into the sort of money and wealth hoarding aspect of it and the fact that these sports are just revenue for people. Uh, and, you know, the men are blessed to, to get to do it because we do eventually need to get into the conversation that, like, Will women's sports even be able to come back after this? Uh, my hope is yes. But if these men are playing and somebody's got it, which they most certainly do, then you see people having access to testing and the best healthcare that you can possibly that money can buy, and with no fans. And then it's just a product that's piped into homes where we watch a bunch of millionaires uh, play a game that we aren't able to play because we can't leave our homes, and then we watch them get infected with this virus and immediately get better because they have access to the best healthcare in the world. And we don't have any, and none of us are working. How is that going to be a world that we actually, how is that sustainable? How are we going to actually, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so unfathomable to me to be doing this. Now I say all of this and you know how much I love baseball. I watched a league of their own last night. I was like, I love this game. That is how I will get it. I will watch other things. I will think about baseball. I will talk about it. But like, it is unfathomable to me to go forward with a, a season of professional sports because the have and the have nots of it becomes incredibly blaringly, increasingly obvious to me. And I say a bunch of millionaires playing this game, you have heard me want them to be paid. But at this moment in time, it does become... These people are working. We are not. And it's blaringly obvious. Um, so it's a little scary to me. I'm unsure. I really don't know how this is going to go. But I don't see baseball coming back in May. I don't, I don't see baseball coming back. I mean, I think a lot of this is all, if it does, it's dangerous to me. That's my personal opinion. Um, anything that, that it, it all, because even if you don't have fans, beginning to go back to these things puts out into the world that we're okay. Everything's all right. We can go back to life as normal. And like, we can't number one, I don't want to number one. I don't want to go back to what it was like. I don't want to go back to, uh, people without healthcare, people without minimum wage and a livable wage. I don't want to go back. I want the things that in week one of this thing, we were talking about giving people healthcare, universal, basic income, unemployment, uh, detethering your insurance and your healthcare from your employment. I, I, I don't, 
it's it, it you know like deprivatizing healthcare. All of these things we talked for for about I don't know four days, and then it just went away. And um, I I knew it, but I didn't want it to happen. So anyway, that's my uh, leftist rant for now. Um, I'm still pretty upset about a lot, a lot of things and, um, it's not surprising and, uh, everybody's entitled to their opinion and I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. Uh, anyway, today would have been opening day and this is from ESPN. Uh, ESPN compiled rankings for all 30 teams looking at where they stand with the season in limbo, as well as the shutdown impacts to their rosters and playoff chances. Here are the top 10, uh, just to start without really getting into the teams, I am just saying like, here's a, I guess a personal silver lining for each player who's dealing with an injury this year. They picked a great year to be injured. You know, um, they get a lot of rehab time and everybody's going to catch up to them. Also just want to say like, it's been really nice seeing these baseball players with in their homes with their families. Cause we really don't see that that often you see like, you know, these packages and, uh, you know, you hear the wives and the, the sons and the daughters and, but it's been cool to like actually see them just hanging out with their families, you know? Um, so shout out to that. So, uh, number one, the LA Dodgers, how they're impacted by the shutdown. If anything, a shortened season should only make the Dodgers stronger. They won't have to worry as much about monitoring the workloads of veteran starters, Clayton Kershaw and David Price. Number two, the New York Yankees in theory, New York could begin the season at something like full strength with the season-long absence of Luis Severino, a glaring exception. Uh, we've got Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, and James Paxton, Paxton all getting time to heal up in time to achieve to activate uh, whenever we finally get an opening day, if we get an opening day. Now, here's the big one that I've been thinking about. Houston Astros, how they are impacted by the shutdown. Obviously, the, the Astros' rotation gets a tangible boost from a late start. Justin Verlander will have time to rehab his groin injury and could end up taking the opening day slot after all. Also, Tommy John returnee Lance McCullers Jr. shouldn't need to have his cumulative workload as closely monitored. Intangibly, however, the Astros get a mental break from the avalanche of animosity they were buried with buried with <laughs> buried with during spring training for now they are no longer in the eye of the storm but will fans forget about their misdeeds altogether not a chance but those misdeeds are no longer smoldering as hotly in the public consciousness and i agree 100 percent. i do think particular fandoms will still be mad but i do also think that their opening day whenever it happens if it's next year people will be so grateful that we are at the day that we are at, not even that baseball's back, just that we will be able to go outside again. Um, I think they will set some of that aside. However, I do think fandoms like the Red Sox, the Dodgers, and the Yankees will probably express that gratitude through their hatred of the Astros. <laughs> That's my take on it. Uh, now, another good one is the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, if, as was posited by Rob Maines of Baseball Perspective, offense will be suppressed by a late start, the Rays could post epic run prevention numbers. They were already elite in that regard as it was. Uh, you know, the Rays as playing lots of bullpen arms and moving these things around. Then they would have three additional advantages in a shorter campaign. One, their star-studded rotation has a spotty recent injury history, but it wouldn't have to be limited as much in a short season. And two... 
the Rays' organizational depth and systematic approach to running a bullpen would stand out even more. And three, if bats are slow to start around and all throughout baseball, the Rays' elite defense would be there from the outset, improving their standing from a positional standpoint. Look for the Tampa Bay Rays to maybe overtake the New York Yankees. Who knows? And then we've got the Minnesota Twins. The Twins might benefit as much as any team in the AL Central from a clipped campaign. As it was, Minnesota was just hoping to tread water with the innings missed by starter Rich Hill, who isn't expected to be back from his elbow injury until June. The Twins don't get a similar break with PED-suspended Michael Pineda, who will still have five weeks to sit out. But Minnesota gets more time for Byron Buxton to strengthen his surgically repaired shoulder, and as much as anything, though, the Twins won't have to map out as much rest time for advanced veterans Nelson Cruz and Josh Donaldson. Speaking of Josh Donaldson, we go to Atlanta. Atlanta was still unsettled in their rotation when spring training was interrupted with Sean Newcomb, Kyle Wright, Tuki Toussaint, and Felix Hernandez battling for the final two spots. In a shorter season, it's more imperative to get those decisions right from the get-go. They will now have also now have Cole Hamels for a larger chunk of the season, as he would not have been available at least until mid-May. Really surprised about Cole Hamels going to Atlanta. Really thought he was uh, finding a home there in Chicago, but, you know, these things happen. All right, so seven, we've got the Washington Nationals. Max Scherzer had missed a spring training start because of fatigue on his right side. You might know that that is his throwing side, which was more precautionary than anything. He felt no pain and didn't require an MRI. I don't understand why these very, very rich uh, (laughs) players and clubhouses don't just toss an MRI around, but whatever. Throw in all the innings Steven Strasburg had thrown last year and the lack of depth in the rotation after the top five, and there had to be concerns about a World Series hangover, like what happened to the Red Sox rotation in 2019, but that should now be less of a concern. Also, like what happened to the Red Sox rotation in 2019, they got in trouble for cheating and then they stopped cheating, so there's also that. Uh, The Oakland A's come in at eight on this list. Uh, Injury-addled starter A.J. Puck turned up with a shoulder strain this spring. While the injury wasn't serious, it probably would have kept him from a March 26 roster spot, which is today. Now Puck could be in the mix from the start, along with fellow prospect Jesus Luzardo. Uh, AJ brings star potential to the Oakland staff. Neither would have been ridden hard in the 2020 season, even as Oakland is positioned as a contender. Now, proportionally, they should be able to have a greater impact, giving the athletics a better chance to be their ideal selves. I would love nothing more than for the Oakland athletics to be their ideal selves. Good Lord, please. Please, good Lord. Okay, nine, Cleveland, how they're impacted by the shutdown. Number one. Rhea Butcher has started wearing their 2016 World Series losers hat because why not? I decided to start using my stickers and wearing my hats. There's nothing to save these things for. Rotation injuries hampered the Cleveland baseball team before the shutdown, and a late start gives Carlos Carrasco a chance to rest his inflamed elbow and just rest in general since he is recovering from leukemia. And all of a sudden, it is once again possible that Mike Clevenger, one of my favorite dudes in general, expected to be ready by late April or so, could return from his knee injury in time to make the opening day start he seemed destined for. And rounding out the top 10, we have another 2016 star, the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs had had several still unresolved roster battles going on. Center field 
is being fought out for by Ian Happ and Albert Almora Jr. That's a pretty tough decision. Honestly, they're both very good. Uh, We've got second base, a three-way tie between Nico Horner, David Bodie, and Jason Kipnis. I don't know when I missed Jason Kipnis being picked up by the Cubs. Uh, Fifth starter, Tyler Chatwood and Alec Mills, and the back of the bullpen. In a sense, these are all important decisions. The problems with the 2019 squad weren't so much the top-line players, but the backups and role players who were mostly awful. Uh, So there you have it. That is the top 10 teams that will benefit from this the most. And you have, once again, the Los Angeles Dodgers leading every list. And somebody asked me on Twitter before this, all this shit really hit the fan, who's, who's winning the 2020 World Series? And I said the Dodgers. And I stick with it. If it happens, it'll be the Dodgers. If it doesn't happen, it would have been the Dodgers. And they won't win next year. So this is baseball. This is where we're at. Um, I hope everybody is hanging in there. I hope you're drinking water. I hope you're going for walks responsibly in your neighborhood, staying away from people. Don't touch surfaces. Um, Keep driving cautiously. Keep being kind to your neighborhood. Um, I noticed in my neighborhood, people stop picking up their dog shit all of a sudden. So please keep picking up your dog poop. Um, and just be kind. Doesn't mean you have to like everything. It just means you don't need to be mean to people. Um, cause like being mean right now, it's a slippery slope. Uh, we're all looking at each other as though we're the enemy and that is the antithesis of humanity. So if we can just look at each other as though we are each other, we can get this through this thing together. Um, I will be doing Instagram lives almost every day at two 30, uh, Pacific time. They're not baseball focused. I'm always happy to take some baseball questions, but just happy to say hi to some folks and see how everybody's doing. So hop on those. My Instagram is the same as my Twitter, which is at Rhea butcher, R H E A B U T C H E R. Uh, been doing a hell of a lot of zooms. Um, getting really comfortable with that. I don't know when I'll do stand up again. Um, going to look into making some of those tough and tender patches. Um, cause people have been asking about those, maybe see if I can make some t-shirts who knows. Um, just want to do everything safely and not put anybody at risk. Um, and, uh, yeah, just follow me, please. If you could do me a favor, um, for the next couple weeks, if you like this podcast, can you tweet about it or post about it? Um, I would just love to spread the word that this is not a baseball stats podcast. And it's more about getting through this thing together. Um, and about what we love and how we can keep loving it. Um, so please spread the word for me. If you don't mind, um, I would really appreciate that and, uh, feel free to send your rosin bag questions. Um, I'm happy to give some advice on this thing. If you want to hear it, um, if you have some places I can donate to send those over to us, happy to boost those things boost those spots and, um, you know, listen on Spotify, rate, review, subscribe, hoping to get the store back up, hoping to get the Patreon going together. Um, and as always, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, 
please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.